Welcome to the 45th episode of the Game Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Thompson. I'm a Platinum Pro Pro Tour champion and now four-time legend competitor in Hearthstone as of a couple days ago. And my co-host, Brian Gottlieb, is is about to be a GP Top 4 competitor. That's where I'm putting you at for this weekend. You're capping me at Top 4? That I, <laughs> I feel so slighted right now. Listen, man. Listen, man. I think, I think that's generous. I think if going into the tournament, anyone wow. would be like, hey, man, you're going to finish in Top 4, I'd be like, cool. You know? I'm at the point right now where I'm I'm hungry for a result. It's been too long for me. I am shooting for that number one spot this week. That is what I'm gunning for. Maybe that's, you know, shooting a little bit for the stars, but that's what I'm here for, man. I, well, I want the top should, slot. If that's the case, you should probably figure out what deck you're going to play, buddy. We'll get there, dude. We'll get there. There's plenty <laughs> of time. What do we have, like three days left? There are tens of hours left before the tournament. And I, and I have to work through most of them. Listen, most of my best decisions have come at the last hour. I, it's not that there's nothing I like. It's that there's several options that I'm interested in right now. Uh, and, and I can't really figure out exactly what gives me the most edge going into this tournament. But there's, there's some good decks out there for sure. Word. And that's a good place to be, right? You know, it's not like the, the standard format is completely miserable or anything. It's like you've got a, a bunch of options that are all fine. Yeah, I, I like having the options. I, I wish that I was able to narrow down, though. Like, I, I want to feel, you know, the, you know that confidence you have when you're just like, I have the deck this week. Like, this is, I'm so far ahead of the metagame. No one else is prepared to compete with what I'm bringing to the table. It feels so good when you're headed to a tournament like that. It's happened like five times in my life, though. I know, it doesn't happen often. I, I can think of like three times, maybe. But man, <laughs> it feels so good. It feels so good when you're in that spot. All right, so so what are what do you want to do? T- tell me like your prerequisites, I guess, and then I'll pick a deck for you. Okay, there, there's two spots I kind of want to be in, and, and maybe they're they're actually like narrowed down to a deck already. But whatever, we'll get to that. I I would love to find a teamer build with a significant edge in the mirror, and I'll I'll loop back around to that point in a moment. Or I would love to just ignore everything that's going on in this kind of mid-range mush that's happening. Either, you know, blow it up over the top of it or sneak under it completely. So so that points in a few directions. Uh, so what, what's your take on, on that being my goal? I think going over the top doesn't work against Teamer. Okay. And I was I was with you, but there's something a little goofy out there that I'm getting excited about. All right. Well, they have they have clock plus counterspell, so I think it's really tough unless you have something specific that that breaks the mold of like you know approach of the second suns and Ulamog and all that nonsense. I don't think any of that garbage plays with Teamer. What if you were getting to Ulamog via Oblivion Sower? Does this interest you whatsoever? Oblivion Sower is tight. It is big. Uh, it it will block some bristling hydras, but not all. They do have flyers, but you know if if they glory if you sower them. They glory bringer you, you Ulamog them. Like obviously you're winning. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how how much you want your tournament to rest on. Like, oh man, my sower hit one land one instead land. of two lands, so I that, lost. You're exactly <laughs> right. That's been the one like the one thing holding me back. But I, I don't know if you caught it earlier this week. I, I think I alerted you to it because obviously I was needlessly excited about it. There was a green white ramp list that showed up in the Moto results that was playing approach of the second sun as well, but. Yep. 
I, I like that in the main deck, that's fine. But what I really like is this deck moves into some really nice configurations post-board. Um, a lot of them hinging upon Oblivion Sower and just kind of having this immunity to negate and, and not really caring about it anymore. And beyond that, your post-board games against red with this list, which are kind of like... Those are the two things I've always worried about as a ramp player was the mono red deck and, you know, fish style decks, decks that have negate and a, and a good clock in post board games. And the mono red matchup post board is awesome with this list. You bring in uh, 11, 11 spells, four authority, three regal carousel and three Linvala and board out like basically all the big stuff. So you're getting rid of Ulamog, Worldbreaker, Hour of Promise. Usually a, a Wrath is my other cut. And you're just like all life gain spells and small ramp and blockers. And they can never beat you. Like your matchup is so good at that point. So authority Linvala is the truth. Yeah. Like if you if you were playing some white mid-range deck, like that is your sideboard playing against red decks. And I can't stress that enough. Mm -hmm. I do like that. Is this deck good? Like if it is, then do it. But it seems like game one, you have bad matchups against both teamer and mono red. I think the game one matchup versus mono red is, is not ideal. But I do think it's winnable. And there's many times where I, I haven't said that um, with other ramp configurations. The teamer matchup, I don't know. Actually, yeah, maybe teamer's not bad because you have you have fumigate and descend. Yeah, I mean you have answers. They don't have any interaction game one, so yeah, maybe teamer is actually good in game one. And let's talk about what teamer's doing too. Like teamer, I, I I think you've kind of proposed a build, which I'm sure we'll get into that speeds things up. The general approach though of teamer players right now is to slow down. Via usually Scarab God is kind of the that trump. Uh, and that kind of loops around to my other point of having a teamer list that beats up on all this stuff. Um, and, and I don't actually think Scarab God's it. I don't think Woodland Wanderer's it. And I don't think I've, I've found it yet, basically. I think we're basically on the same page. So last night I went to record a video and I wanted to play with this green-red energy beatdown deck with Voltaic Brawler and whatnot. And I went 2-1. I lost to a top deck from Mono Red. You know, it, it kind of happens, right? Uh, and then the other two matches I played against Teamer, and I was just like, man, my deck is way worse than theirs because they have, like, Rogue Refiner, they're hitting all their land drops, they're doing all this awesome stuff, and I still just beat them both, like, pretty easily. Mm. And a, a big part of that was just because of Ronus. They just could not beat a Ronus. Yeah, that that might actually be the best mirror card, not Scarab God. People are, are really into Scarab God, and so was I, and I think it's a great card. But I'm not sure in the context of the mirror, it's the best possible thing you can do. People are just having like this bias because when you win with Scarab God, you win so huge. Like he yeah. just goes off and takes over the game. Actually, I was I was trying to keep track of this when I played my last RPTQ. How many times if it, if it was just a glory bringer, would I have actually been in a better shape? And it happens re a reasonable number of times. There's also times when, you know, Scarab God wins you an un otherwise unwinnable game. So I'm not discounting it. I just think... There's also a cost that comes with it, and it's it's not that huge of an upgrade. People are like bonkers over it right now, and it's really like not it's not deciding the matchup just by itself. Especially once people have like unsummon or struggle to survive whatever card they have to actually answer the scarab god. Mm -hmm. Like now that it's a known quantity, yeah. Like the the fifth toughness, it it's not like a lock to keep it in play like it used to be. Yes. So, I am down with just jamming two Ronis, maybe even sideboarding a third and just getting them that way. Blossoming Defense was the other best card in my deck by far. Yeah, I wonder if that has a home in just the regular teamer list. It seems like you're so reliant on all your cards being of such high quality that I'm a little scared of a conditional card like that in the main deck. And it also seems a little too low impact for a sideboard slot for me. So I don't know if I would make yeah. that move. 
It's it's kind of like a dispel, you know? Yeah. It does win in creature combats. So there is that, and there's a reasonable amount of that going on, especially in mirror matches. When when you're investing in four and five mana threats, if they just end up like killing your threat, it's generally devastating, which mm-hmm. is, you know, that that's how you beat Scarab God. It's like they cast it, they kill it and play something else and attack you for five or whatever. And it's like, yeah, your thing returns, but you're so far behind on board that like a 5-5 five, five isn't going to stabilize you anymore. So like if you ever get to do a thing where you, you play Glorybringer, they were ready for it. You know, they have their Harness Lightning mana open and you Blossoming Defense them. It's lights out. That makes sense to me. I, I understand that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess my point is that I don't feel far enough ahead of everyone. But what you're saying about Ronus, you know, what's so, what's so terrible about Ronus, though, is that in a lot of other spots, it's not a card I like. I, I really don't like it in a lot of matchups besides against the mirror. It's really good against this Wrath deck. Uh, that is true. Ma- maybe not true. against Descend. Descend, but Descend it is, is, it, nice is it is good against Fumigate. There's not a lot of Fumigate decks out there right now. Even if I like this deck, if we're being honest, you just don't see Fumigate all that often. It's more of a, a, a sideboard card from, like, Mardu. And, and I, I do think this deck is picking up some popularity. Yeah, this this seems like a deck that, you know, shows up a little bit on Magic Online, and then there's this big tournament, and a bunch of grinders pick it up. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen just because it's a ramp strategy, and I think people are just naturally adverse to to picking up ramp decks. But, like, with the Monument deck, it was kind of the same thing. It was like, oh, yeah, that's just, like, some wonky Moto deck. And it's like, no, it actually just crushed the tournament. Yeah, and, and, you know, ramp has been making steady. It's so hard to say if this means anything, as we've talked about kind of ad nauseum. But it's been making steady appearances in the 5-0 list. Does that mean it's just getting randomly chosen more often? Or are there more sample, you know, are there more... Uh, numbers yeah we we can just guess we really have no idea so i i don't know what to make of that there were 30 teamer decks that 5-0'd one ramp deck the ramp deck got picked exactly that could 100 percent be what's going on and there's there's no way for us to know so nope it is it is capable of winning and this list does look pretty well suited to what's going on right now i mean i don't know if if four approach and three ulamog is right I'm also kind of skeptical on approach, not only with things that shuffle your library, but also just, like, you don't have any ways to, like, redraw it faster. It's like you have to cast two from your hand, basically, right? Uh, you have Thraben Inspector, Weirding Wood, and Scattered Groves, as well as... So I've tweaked the list a little bit. I, I have a spring to mind in the list. I am only playing two Ulamogs because you're right. I think three is very much pushing it. You're mostly right. I'm, I'm not disagreeing 100%, but... I, I've certainly had spots where I draw it three turns later, and I think that's why you max out four copies, because you just want to be in spots where you cast it and then cast it again. And and honestly, if you've played at all with the blue-white approach deck, uh, I know that when Efro and Rietzel kind of did their thing with the list, they went up to four approaches, because those are your ideal scenarios, where you just go seven mana approach, untap, approach again. And that's yeah. really like what you want to be setting up against a lot of decks in the format, and, and maxing on approach allows you to do that the most consistently. I don't know. My initial impre- impressions of this deck was that it, it, it's pretty good. There's something uh, a little beyond the old ramp tech going on here, and, and it's got some good matchups that I wouldn't expect to be that good. I don't know what all the fringe matchups look like. Like I don't know what your Mardu matchup looks like. I think your control matchup is, is actually fine. Um, you, you have a pretty good plan against them, and you just have like a million must counters and a million guys who do their thing, even if they do get countered. So I don't really fear control with this list, but... I don't know. I hope I get a few more reps in with it. I, I'm not I'm not saying this is the be-all, end-all of the format, but it has caught my eye. Yeah. I, I especially like the Oblivion Sower plan against Control also. Me too. Me too. But 
I, I think Regal Caracal might just be overkill. Not not overkill against the red deck, but it's like you probably don't need it. So I've also it's, been boarding it in against the control decks, just because you do have a lot of cuts. Yeah, and that's fine. It's just like I, I would prefer to get something that is less narrow in those slots. Hmm. I, I see what you're saying. I wonder what the kind of the most versatile card you can play in that spot. Maybe something like a quarantine field, just being a, a nice catch-all. What about Thought Knots here? So we're we're down on colorless sources a little bit here because there's only two shrines. But yeah, Thought Knots here, kind of a nice hedge. I actually grew to approach, uh, appreciate Thought Knots here against red decks as well. I think it's fine there. Yeah, um, I would I would bring it in. I mean, yeah. you have you have authority into that into Linvala. I think that's like a pretty solid curve. Sure, that's very difficult for them to get through. Uh, so yeah, that's an interesting interesting card. I could see myself playing a couple copies of that. Cool. Yeah, I don't know. I would say get some reps with this. Uh, so <laughs> when I when I recorded my video, uh, I just set up like a new computer and like I downloaded OBS Studio, mm-hmm. whereas before I used to use OBS Classic, and it is like vastly different. I set my thing up and then like did a test video. Everything was fine, and then I submitted the videos, and apparently there were just like two mics and an echo or something. Oh, daggers! So they're they're just unusable. So I just have to do another video tonight. So. Now I might just try, like, actual Pummeler now that I've played games with this deck. And it, it was basically just, like, Voltaic Brawler was fine in some draws, but it's, like, realistically, if I could run it back, I would just cut them for Rogue Refiners and just play blue. Okay. Uh, would you move a little harder in, in the pump direction, or are you comfortable with just, like, Blossoming Defense in that shell? Or do you think you're just priced into having, uh, I forget the name of the card, Invigorating Rampage? Is that what it's called? Yeah, inv- Invigorated Rampage. I, I think it's good, and, like, it's. I think it is also just a good card in, in Team or Mirrors. Like, if that's what you're trying to do is get under people, you know? Yeah. They're going to chump your Bristling Hydra with a Thopter or whatever, and just, that is. That is how it goes every single time. Like you, you, And I know a lot of people board out a lot of their Whirler Virtuosos in the mirror, uh, and in some cases on the play, people will board out all of them. I'm not a fan of that. I always keep at least two copies of Virtuoso in my deck in the mirror post board. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm playing it too safe and actually just hindering myself. But uh, I've appreciated having it in my deck in post board games. Card is, I think that card is just sick in racing situations. And that's what a lot of the mirror like gets into. And it's like you have to line up your cards like one for one with them. Not even just like in a my lightning kills your thing or whatever, but it's just like, okay, so like he's going to attack me with the Hydra and like I need these creatures to block or whatever. And Whirler Virtuoso just gives you a bunch of different tools to play with, you know, a bunch of different resources. It's like suddenly you you have a bunch of blockers and a bunch of attackers, which is a thing the deck was not capable of doing before. So I, I think Whirler Virtuoso overall is just one of the most underrated cards of like the entirety of the standard format. I would agree with that. Yeah, really impactful and cleans up a lot of problems you would otherwise have. And, you know, the, the principle you're talking about is exactly why, on its face, I was super excited about Woodland Wanderer. But I, I would love to hear your experience. Have you played a bit with the card? Not at all. Okay. It in, in my experience, it was underwhelming, and I didn't expect it to be because as we talk about these kind of racing situations and, you know, size matters, you see how, uh, obviously, Woodland Wanderer is a card that would catch your eye. In my experience, it just has too many vulnerabilities that you don't have if you're just playing Bristling Hydra. And you wouldn't think they would come up that often, but I only played one league with Woodland Wanderers over... I still had like two Bristling Hydras and four Woodland Wanderers. But in that one league I played, I lost three matches because Woodland Wanderer wasn't Hydra. And it was just stuff like it getting Soul Scar Mage plus a Braid, and it was shrunk. 
or it was able to be targeted by Dark Salvation. And just like these these random little little damage spells, like it, there's ways out there for these decks, even when their removal is is size based, to deal with Woodland Wanderer once it's opened up to not having hexproof like Hydra. So I thought it would be such a killer, and it just didn't play out that way. And uh, I also had Hydras get bigger than it, and it was unable to deal with like a tremendous Hydra. So <laughs> yeah, in in the process of writing that article, I kind of just came to the conclusion that Hydra was probably better. And it should probably be like 4-2 the other way around. And then yes. it's like, you know, do you even play the Wanderers? I don't know. I think that's reasonable, but I kind of see those in the the Chandra slot. I know a lot of people are not a fan of Chandra right now, but I like having two Chandras main uh, and, and probably will have two Chandras main if I play some form of teamer. So I'm fine with Chandra. I think that the Wanderer actually goes in the Ronas spot. I think Wanderers okay. are supposed to become Ronases. Okay. Uh, in that case, I, I just want Ronus, I think, because it, it's such a bomb in the mirror. And Woodland Wanderer did not feel the same way in the mirror. Uh, yeah. and, I, and I think that's kind of like, you'd be smart to slant yourself in that direction for this weekend. Yo, how do you feel about Unsummon? I was thinking about Unsummon today. You know, kind of low impact. But if you think about how these matches play out, I can see a place for it. Uh, you, you really are just playing like this weird tempo-ish game in a lot of spots. Obviously, it doesn't line up well against Hydra Draws. That's awkward. But... Popping a Scarab God for a turn or, you know, getting Glorybringer off on that key turn can totally swing some games. I have a feeling it's going to remind me of the Scarab God and that it wins me games that no other card in that spot would have won me. <laughs> and then I, other games, I'm like, wow, if this was just any other card, I'd be totally fine. I was actually also thinking about Commit to Memory today. And obviously that's a very different card, but just kind of like a clean answer that could serve as like this refresh. Because if you're in, you know, a very late game situation... There's a lot of decks against which I think you can afford to give them a full hand uh, before you get your full hand, and you'll still come out in the better spot. But, you know, different cards, but same principle. Having having a way to deal with any permanent or any creature for a turn could, could make a lot of difference right now. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think it is necessarily about, like, raw cards. You know, it is just about board presence and racing and how do you break that paradigm of, like, this person's on the play. Maybe they had a servant of the conduit. They played a turn three Hydra. You're backpedaling, you know? Like, how do you get out of those spots? It's just like, it is things like Ronus and Whirler Virtuoso and Unsummon that that actually do that. And right now, those the decks just aren't capable of it. Yep, that makes sense. Uh, Hashep Oasis was very good also. Yeah, my take on that card is that if I have Woodland Wanderer in my deck, I 100% want it. If I don't, I mostly want it but again sometimes i'm like oh if this was just any other land i'd be totally fine all these decisions it's so funny i think it was in the discord i was talking about this or maybe it was in the group from my other podcast but we were talking a lot about teamer and people were proposing all these things should i play oasis do i want ronis do i want scarab god and i'm like every single one of these questions i see both sides of it and i can't tell you authoritatively which approach is better and i think you kind of have to think about your own play style how you plan to approach certain matchups and like are you going to maximize having this card in your deck and you know i think i tend to play a very safe style of magic and i play around a lot and i think for that reason i like scarab god but someone who takes a more aggressive line more often maybe is better served with just more glory bringers in their deck I want to kill people. Yeah, so so you're a Glorybringer guy, um, or you know, a three Ronus guy. I'm I'm Glorybringer Ronus Unsummon Oasis. Like some amount of a lot of these cards are going to be in my deck for this weekend for yeah. sure. 
Yeah, I, I can see that. And that's exactly what I'm saying, though. You you know your approach. You know how you're going to play matchups. And I'm thinking I'm going to play them a little differently. So for you, Ronis could be right. For me, Scarab God could be right. And I think that people don't do enough of that when they're building their deck. Actually just thinking about, like, how am I, me personally, as a Magic player, approaching the, these matchups? Because... There is such room for creativity in games of Magic. We forget that sometimes because we get so focused on like the optimal line. A lot of times, that that's a range. You're making a range determination. And how you're going to play future turns really determine the optimal line, not just a, a vacuum decision at that one point in time. Yep. No, I, I agree completely, man. I think that you do need to deck build for yourself because... You can look at my deck and my sideboarding guide, but if if you're going to play the games differently than me, then it's not going to help. And I do think that at the end of the day, there is probably a correct way to do things, but it's not the same against everyone, you know? It's like, if someone plays against against me, right? Like, Brad will play the mirror against BBD, and he'll have to sideboard a certain way. And then if he plays against me, he's going to have to sideboard in a different way, too. Mm -hmm. You know, because, like, me and BBD are probably going to play the games differently, and, like, our goals are different. Our cards are going to be a little bit different. So, yeah, you can't you can't just follow a deck list and a sideboarding guide. You have to know exactly what you're planning to do and why. And then you should construct your deck accordingly. Exactly. And one of the biggest tips I always like to give people who like are looking to level up or either either they're looking to level up or they they want sideboarding advice. And the thing I always say is build your own sideboard. Like I don't even care if your sideboard's quote unquote bad. As long as you know what each card in your sideboard is doing, as long as you have plans in every instance, I think that's a huge way to really start understanding both magic and deck building on a, a greater scale. I agree, but then there are some people who are just like, I want to play in this one tournament and have fun and kind of know what I'm doing. You know, I don't necessarily want to put in 10,000 hours to try and be good at this thing. Yeah, I get it. You're not looking to be a master. You just want to be a a guy who can put up a result every now and then. And that's cool. Uh, Everyone has their own goals when it comes to the game. Some people just want to hang. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to be teamering. I'm going to be a little lower to the ground than everyone else. And I think I like that plan. Uh, I am going to try this pummeler thing, but I don't think it's really going to pan out. It's, mm-hmm. That's my guess. I don't know. As for you, I think I think if you're about that ramp life, that might not be the worst thing for you. But I don't know. I, f- I feel like there is definitely a correct choice for this weekend, right? Like there was a correct choice two weekends ago in Denver. And people realize it after the fact that it's like, oh, this deck with these plans was the best. There, There is only going to be one correct thing, but I think that you can play like the A- minus game or the B-plus game or whatever and still have success and, you know, make top four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, that's where I'm capped at, top four. Uh, just real quick, one more deck that's popped up in the last few days that I want to get your take on. Blue-Black Control is, again, all over the Moto results. We know nothing as to whether that means it's being played a ton. Do you have any thoughts on that deck? It looks bad. Yeah, that was my take too. And it was one of the first decks I tried in this format and was underwhelmed by it. I Like I've said in the past, I think it's getting a lot of free Scarab God wins just because Scarab God is a great card, especially in a shell like that. It's It's particularly impactful. But the rest of the deck, I don't know, man. I don't really see the appeal. It's too reactive. Like, the list that I've seen have, like, two Scarab Gods, maybe three, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just, like, I want to, like, kill their stuff and just jam that thing. Like, can we can we play four of that card? Is that not allowed? Like, When I was messing I with the blue-black reanimator deck, that was kind of, like, it started as a one-of in the first versions of that deck. And I'm like, no, I need two of these. And I'm like, oh, wait, do I just need four of this card? Like, is this actually <laughs> the card that I'm here for? Uh, and the answer might be yes. You might be right that the optimal list of that deck is four Scarab Gods. I don't know. I don't I don't like the surrounding pieces as much. It just seems like if you determine Scarab God is the best thing to do, why not get some free teamer wins on top of it, you know? 
Yeah, that's certainly true. And even like the mini zombies package, I think is sure. okay. Like yeah. Crypt Breakers, uh, still one of the best things to be doing on turn one. I think Scarab God is good for sure. And maybe we just haven't found like the right shell for it. It, it is odd that maybe the best shell that we think we have <clears throat> for a blue black card is in a green red deck, but it yeah. kind of is what it is. Strange times. Oh man, the mana is so good. I just want to want to point that out. I like the mana in this format. Um, I, I love it in attune decks. I mean, I've become addicted to attune, I think. Yeah, we, we certainly have enough options, right? That not only do we have attune, but we also have uh, traverse. And I, I like these one mana green cards that just are, are fixers. It gives green kind of a, a unique role. Although maybe green's a little too good right now, if we're being honest. But I have appreciated having them in the format. I definitely think green is too good, but I think that's all right. Like, because like white was the best for so long, right? Like Gideon and Avacyn and stuff. So like maybe next format black will be the best. I don't know. Do you think we ever get to have blue be the best again? Or is that just like a relic of Magic's past? Like, it's just not going to happen. I don't know. I don't know. I think think that that hammer has been nailed down for far too long. Yeah, probably like Delver was the last time we could really say blue was best. Yeah, no, it was actually Snapcaster, and that was, what, six years ago? A long time ago, ago. yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be okay. Maybe maybe some Merfolk with the new set. We'll see. All right, so you're you're going to play some more. I'm going to play a little bit more, but not really. I think I'm just on the flight. I'm going to construct some sort of Ronus concoction and just hammer people, and hopefully that's good enough. But, dude, the thing that I've been waiting for for the longest time is, like, when is the next modern tournament? They're all the time. Modern exists all the time. <laughs> I, people, when's the next modern tournament modern. for me? I don't, I don't have the answer though. to that. I think you're. I think the way you're supposed to play modern is just you're supposed to show up at your LGS. There'll be 160 people there playing modern because that's what happens every single time I go near my LGS. It's crazy how much people love modern. The, the degree of separation between modern and standard, it seems to just be growing and it doesn't reset. Even having a good standard format now... I, at least in my area, and I don't go to a lot of small tournaments, but I, I did play a PPTQ recently that was just jam-packed with modern players. Yeah, I, I think, so Mox Boarding House is probably the most localist of big stores to me, and their modern night, they, I mean, they have modern like a bunch of nights a week, but like Thursday, Friday, whenever I would go, they would have like min 60 every time. It's crazy. People love, yeah. love, love modern and I think that we've kind of had people clamoring for us to talk about modern for a while now. We've never done it before. So it looks like it's a good time to get into it. I, I guess that's an interesting point, huh? So like, so my relationship with modern was kind of, it, it wasn't love-hate. It was more like hate-hate, I mm-hmm. guess, for Same. a while. It was Same. like, yeah... Okay, so, yeah, I was just going to share my story and then ask for yours, but we might have the same story. But, like, right now I actually like it. And this is, like, the first time in forever. Yeah, I'm completely with you. I liked it when it obviously first showed up, when it was kind of the wild, wild west. And then after, like, I actually didn't play uh, Pro Tour Philadelphia, which was the first modern tournament, but I was uh, playing a lot of Magic then and helping my friends, who a bunch of them were qualified. And they were all testing these kind of, like, silly, like, I think that Cloud Post was the big thing back then and like decks that would look to eventually Primeval Titan and take over the game on turn seven. And I'm like, guys, this format ends on like turn two right now. And what you're doing is not going to work. Um, But those few weeks exploring were a lot of fun. No, they were for sure until you figured out that the format was busted. Yeah. But I, so I played Cloud Plus in that tournament, but I also played Through the Breach. Through the Breach, yeah. And I, I think it was like Matt Costa, who I was primarily talking to, who was just on Cloud Post. And finally, by the day of the tournament, and, and I think it was Dan Jordan as well, they got them to put Through the Breach in their deck. But even still, I think you'll you'll say that that deck was very low on the power scale for that format. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
I, I was doing this nonsense to try and compete with these combo decks while also just like beating up on the fair decks, like the people mm. who didn't know. Yeah, but by day two, the fair decks were just gone. That was not. Yeah, what the and was I about. should I should have just been like storming people. Obviously, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just not even close. And modern day me knows that. Like I would, I would just be the the messed up deck, you know. Like I would just play the storm deck, and it took me like ten years to learn that lesson. So here we are. And and that, as as we now get into kind of like the current situation, that has always been my approach to modern: is find the most busted thing you could do. And cool. for most of modern's history, there's been something significantly more busted than anything else you could possibly do. I think this might be the first time that there's nothing I can point to that kind of is just further along the scale than everything else. There's a lot of insane decks at the top tables, and they're all very different and very difficult to prepare for. And that's kind of why we have this flourishing modern format right now. Yeah. When when Majors was on the cast, rest in peace, we were obviously talking about Grixis Death Shadow a lot and uh, how it was kind of like warping the metagame and how maybe it was unbeatable and like, yeah, these are the three decks that are good against it, but like whatever, no one's going to play them, right? And now the green-red Primeval Titan deck is the number one deck in Modern, and it's probably like the worst matchup for Grixis. And I think Blue-Red Storm is kind of like rose up to prey on those decks, and Storm right now seems to me like it's the busted thing to do. Yeah, that's as close as it gets. And that's exciting for me because I'm... An old school storm guy. I was very close to playing it Pro Tour Valencia, but then we just found the better storm deck for that tournament, which was Ad Nauseam, because it had a bonkers zoo matchup, and that was something like 30% of the field. But but Storm did very well in that tournament as well. It's a deck that I, I've always appreciated and I think is kind of I think it's fundamentally misunderstood. I think the things that people expect Storm to be really bad against, it's not as bad as you think. And there was always this perception that Jund was the big deck the last time Storm rose to prominence. On the Jund side, people were very sure that, oh, I have Discard and, you know, a Tarmogoyth Clock, so there's no way that Storm is favored against me. I thought the old versions of Storm were very favored against these kind of GBX decks, and I think the new versions of Storm are also favored against things like Junk and Black Green. Um, and, and I think only when you add blue to the mix, things like Grixis Death Shadow, does the matchup become a little bit more difficult. So that's fair. I always did my due diligence and made sure to try and hammer storm a little bit more than the other people because, like, you know, I've played those matchups where it's like you don't have any graveyard hate or you're, you're light on one aspect or another, right? And then they actually just, like, slip one by you, and it's like, man, how did that happen? And just, like, every time after that I played Jund or Black Green or whatever it was, it was like I, I would show up with this configuration where, like, all of my cards were good against them. It was like I would have, like, Decay... For Ascension, I would have Bolt for uh, Electromancer. I had Discard. I had, like, Cage or Leyline, Scavenging Ooze. Uh, I had, like, ways to make sure I didn't get, like, punked by Empty the Warrens, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, I just kind of had it all, and it seemed like all my cards were busted against them. Yeah, you, and that's the approach you have to take. You have to be multifaceted because Storm has kind of two interesting points about it. It's able to win in a few different ways, which you, you wouldn't expect. It, find, it finds ways to cobble together wins. But at the same time, all of its cards are hyper-redundant. Like, they all do the same thing. And things like Targeted Discard are actually not that good against Storm. People always think that, like, having a Thoughtseize against Storm is just the the Nutter Butters. It's good. Like, you're happy to see a Thoughtseize, but that's not how you beat Storm. Targeted Discard is, is not the key to holding down Storm. Especially now when they're playing things like Pieces of the Puzzle which is a really cool little piece of sideboard tech. They're, they're so resilient against things like that kind of plan. 
I also believe that Storm is in a really excellent place right now. And, you know, if we were preparing for modern instead of standard this week, I'd probably just pick up Storm and, and call it a day because I, I don't think that people have adapted. You're talking about all the effort you had to put into beating Storm. Well, people aren't putting in that effort yet. No, I know. So I never thought like, oh, I, I thought seeds your combo piece and then you lose. Like you're, you're not a two card combo deck. You are uh, like a resource combo deck. It's like you need X of any one thing to go off and all your cards are redundant. So yeah, Thoughtseize is effectively Raven's Crime. You mm -hmm. know, like it, it doesn't doesn't actually accomplish a whole lot, but like in tandem with the other stuff, it matters. And especially if like post-board, I'm trying to like get your Echoing Truth so that you can bounce my Leyline or whatever, you know, like then that stuff maybe starts to matter. But yeah, for the most part, it was like, okay, I'll, I'll make them discard a card, I'll kill their Electromancer, and then I'll play Liliana the Veil and start ticking up and just like constrict your resources. And just like put you in the squeeze that way. Yeah, and that could be a viable plan, or like you didn't have the graveyard under control, and then here's Past in Flames, and they just won. You know what I mean? Right. Like you, you have to be able to choke all resources. You have to be able nope. to choke the hand, choke the creatures in play, and choke the graveyard, and, and that's how you beat Storm. Absolutely, and I made sure to do that. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that you're you're beating up on a bunch of people because they played against Storm like once every five tournaments or something. So who cares, right? But yep. It is beatable. Uh, I, I'm curious, though, like, is Grixis Death Shadow, like, that far gone that people can actually play Storm again? Or was that matchup just, like, not bad to begin with? Well, I guess I guess my theory is that Grixis Death Shadow doesn't have to be gone because even if it's, like, okay, I'll, I'll tell you right now. I'm looking at MTG Goldfish, and it has Grixis Death Shadow as the second most played deck, uh, and it's 6.83% of the meta. Yep. So it doesn't have to be gone, even if it's a horrible matchup, because you might play a 10-round tournament, and, and you should play it less than one time in that 10-round tournament. Um, so it could be completely horrible, and, and that's just fine. You're, you're willing to play through one bad matchup like that. And that's kind of what speaks in favor of just doing something inherently broken and modern, is that if you can't narrow down a metagame, you just have to kind of go with the most busted thing. And I think that... It's interesting because I don't, I'm not going to say this authoritatively, but it is possible that your perception of like Grixis Death Shadow just being out there is that maybe the last big modern tournament you played was the Invitational, where Grixis Death Shadow probably was like actually significant portion of the metagame to where you have to think about things like that. But as far as just like the natural metagame, I, I don't think it's that oppressive at this point. No, I mean, I'm just looking at, like, the random Star City tournaments mostly, where it's, like, it's it's always, like, one or two people in top eight. Like, it is a big portion of the winner's metagame, mm -hmm. which which I think is relevant. I guess in Syracuse, like, it did beat Grixis in the finals, so or in Richmond, I guess, sorry. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, is that even if it's a bad matchup, like, I don't think it's a completely foregone conclusion that you just can't beat Death Shadow. Um, and, and it also depends on, are they bringing in the appropriate hate? Do they have the appropriate hate available to them uh, to Dude, kind of I contest had, your plan? I had Cage in my last shadow deck, and it was nice. Yep. You were prepared. I was a little prepared. Just kind of accidentally. It's just like, all right, you know, collected company's a thing, and I eventually decided that graveyard hate was not really worth it in the mirror, so then I'm not playing Spellbomb or Leyline necessarily. So, like, what's the best thing I can do that's good against the most people? And, like, I think... Discard spell into cage against dredge is great, and it's a card that you can find off your cantrips rather than hoping it's in your opening hand. So it was it's kind of like accidental that it's good against Storm, you know? Okay. I'm with that. I can I can see definitely accounting for cards like that right now. And I was also at the point where I was just like, I keep losing to the same decks, so screw it. I'm actually like gonna hate those decks. Like I'm gonna play like three cages and like two disdainful strokes, and you know, I had a bunch of stuff. 
How is Disdainful Stroke? Were you boarding that in, in the mirror? What? No, for the Titan decks. Okay. Okay. I thought maybe you were targeting, like, if you weren't doing Graveyard Hate anymore, you felt like you needed an answer to Grimag Angler and Oh, God, uh, no. Okay. So that, that makes sense to me. Uh, I could see that card being totally fine in those matchups. Do you feel like you've now shifted those matchups to your favor? I mean, they're certainly better than they w- were before. Like, maybe now I'm um, a 45%er instead of a 30%er, but that's still hella good, you know? Yeah, yeah, you'll take 45% if that's the worst matchup you're facing right now. Right. I don't know. It just seemed like those those decks were becoming a little bit more popular because they had good matchups against Grixis, so, like, the company decks and the, the Titan decks. And now Storm is here, so you kind of have to consider that one a little bit, too. I don't know. Is Is that better than actually playing Storm? Probably not. Yeah, my take is play Storm. Just based on my approach to Modern, you find the most busted thing. This does seem to be the most busted thing right now. For a while, I think maybe Eldrazi Tron snuck in and, and stole that mantle just because it's it's busted things were lining up really good against the format. Things like, you know, turn two Chalice were, were super effective and just assembling Tron was super effective. But again, a deck that I think has been well adapted to and people have made some some smart decisions to start holding down Eldrazi Tron. Yeah, man. I I think Ballista is also just kind of like one of the unsung heroes of that deck, especially once you Tron up. It just lights out for so many decks. Very true. You know, I kind of hate Eldrazi Tron. I just went through a stretch of tournaments where I, I played it a couple of times and it, it is just not the correct deck for me. I don't know what it is about it, <laughs> but uh, I, I found myself constantly frustrated in games while playing Eldrazi Tron. I like Eldrazi. I, I played like the old school workshop decks with like Ravager and Triskelion and stuff. Uh, and I, I wish these felt like that. Obviously they're not as good, right? But it's like, it's the same feeling of like, you play your turn, you put your hand down, you F6 through their turn, and then it's whatever. And like, you have maybe three decisions to make every turn. It's like the games you're playing feel structured in such a way where like, I, I also just learned to appreciate Limit Hold'em a lot. So I, I kind of just equate those decks to, to Limit. Okay. Yeah, I, when I first started playing poker, I was I was a big limit guy, and I love limit. And all my friends, like that was during the poker boom, like back in two thousand three, and everyone wanted to play no limit. And I would be sitting at the limit table, and my friends would all laugh at me. But uh, I, I see where the joy comes from in, in playing limit hold'em. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. So occasionally I'll play Eldrazi or something, and or like some ramp deck or whatever, and they all feel the same because mm-hmm. there are only so many things that you can do because for the most part your game plan is linear, you know. Yeah, that was my point of frustration with it. And I think when it comes to modern, I'm looking for something a little different. You you want you want linear, but like something that's that's gonna like turn three people. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more explosiveness, I guess, is, is what I'm looking for. And I like the redundancy and kind of doing the same thing, but I wanna do it bigger and faster than everyone else. And Eldrazi Tron could do that, don't get me wrong. Like there's some draws you get where you're like, How does anyone ever beat this? But it, they felt a little too infrequent for me to bank on that as the broken deck in the format yeah i mean you want your nut draws to happen a little bit more often and when you have them to actually just have win. that yeah you, you win the game instead of like we did it turn two matter reshaper we're, we're going off boys yeah yeah so the other thing i was thinking about is like okay so eldrazi tron has been good then titan shift it is pretty clear that these big mana decks are very good against death shadow what about amulet because, like, Amulet was sneaking in there, like, kind of killing it for a little bit. Yeah, I wonder if we just kind of have some bias against Amulet at this point, assuming that it's it's not a great deck just because it lost Summer Bloom and maybe just not having invested the proper amount of time to get to an optimal list. Uh, I mean, these lists look pretty clean. They, they know what they're doing at this point. But 
playing 28 lands in my modern deck. I don't know, man. I don't know if I can sign up for that. Like, it's, when it was broken, you're doing that it was with fine. Storm. You're doing that with Storm. You have, like, eight rituals and 18 lands. It's the same thing. Yeah, but half your lands suck. Like, 14 of the 28, you're just, like, disappointed to draw, and you'd rather get them with a Primeval Titan. They're either terrible or they're, like, the best land in the matchup by far. Yeah, like, I don't, you, I don't you, know. Well, the, the Bog or the Cavern of Souls or the Ghost Quarter or whatever, and then you slide some of them out. Who cares? Yeah, I've you know, I've been a, in on Amulet Titan in the past. I actually think one of the first decks that you and I ever worked on, I remember we were bouncing around very early versions of this deck, like way back in the day. Um, yeah. Before it even rose to its its first burst of prominence with uh, Dude, wrote, Summer Bloom, I wrote that article and I, my list was like kind of close. You know, I was like ten cards off or something. Yeah. And then it didn't it didn't start killing it until like two years later. Yeah, like it took that's, years. That's moderate for you. And then it's not like it got new cards or anything. It just took two years for someone else to pick it up. Yep, you're exactly right. And you know that's happening again. There's there's other decks like that in this format that have kind of just been there, and now all of a sudden people are like, oh, maybe this is good, and that. You know, that speaks to the fact that there's 40 viable decks in a format and it takes some time to get around to, you know, the hive mind investing their efforts into these decks. And when they do, you know, sometimes Summer Bloom gets banned. Yeah, I remember we were very close and we had like promising builds, but didn't quite get there. Wow, think of how far ahead we could have been. I guess it doesn't matter. At that point, if you like really break it, everyone just picks it up the next week anyway. So Right. It's not like we would have two free years of just beating everyone with uh with well, Amulet. We could have on on Magic Online, maybe, but like yeah, if you ever go to a Grand Prix and top eight a GP, then it is kind of over, right? Because then like five people are gonna pick it up and do well with it, and then it's gonna be like twenty people and then yep. it just keeps growing. Yep. It spirals out of control from there. Yeah, but this deck, you know, it continues to put up some small results, nothing completely overwhelming. If you're asking for, like, my opinion of it, I think it's missing a piece, but I, I don't know exactly what. Some uh, kind maybe, of... Maybe, maybe a card that lets you play three, three lands, lands in a turn. turn. Yeah, that would, that would be a pretty big upgrade. Uh, yeah, Maybe i just, like, see Azusa and I was like, uh, if only you were a Summer Bloom, I'd be into you, but... I don't know what it's going to take to get me in on this deck and putting a lot of effort in. I guess I'm also... You know, I look at some of the sideboards that are out there, and I, I don't even know what they're beginning to try and accomplish with their sideboard plans. Maybe if there was some kind of coherent sideboard plan I could come to, and I, I guess that would start with me understanding the good and bad matchups, which I probably don't even have a concept of that at this point. I just feel like it's one of those decks where you look at your opener and like, oh yeah, this is going to allow me to win on turn three, and, and that's the extent of it. I don't know, man. I feel like there are very few people who actually play this deck. It's like Bobby Fortinelli, uh, Edgar... Mahalgas, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I like Edgar a lot, though. They they just always kill it, you know? It's like there they're are just these five people that are amulet masters, and whenever someone shows up to a modern tournament playing amulet, they never do, like, okay. It's like they always just kill it. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. What about the guy who just palm seven every time? That guy was a sicko with the deck, right? He was real good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the trick. Gone now. I don't know. Maybe he's about to get on band. I have no idea. Probably. They don't get rid of these guys for nearly long enough, but that's another issue. I agree. We could talk about that for days, I'm sure. But the the most recent modern mocks, like one one an amulet deck one seven one. Yeah, the the masters can certainly still pilot it. I'm looking back and they have like some other results with the deck too, so and something about the deck too, when when someone picks it up, it becomes like their baby. Like they're so, they get so into Amulet Titan. Dude, what's not the love? The 28 lands. Oh, this list has 29 lands from the mocks. So he has 29 and 61 cards. His old list had 28 and 60. 
Okay, so he just really needed that 61st, 29th land. He figured out the math perfectly, and it's... Uh, yeah, his, his, his main deck didn't change at all. It's certainly not like you're trying to draw, like, one specific card a lot of the time. Like no, that's true. Bigger, you know? That's true. So whatever. Just, just get like, 61 in there. What does it matter? Play as many cards as you want. Who cares? <laughs> Maybe 75-card Amulet Titan. Why not? Yeah. But yeah, like, his, his sideboard hasn't changed that much in, in basically two months. Uh, the mana base, like, a Ghost Quarter got added. I think that was the 61st card. Whatever. I don't know, man. That, that seems like a bit of a stretch to me, but whatever floats your boat. And he's got main deck relics. Did he always have main deck relics before? Yeah, even back then. I, okay. I think that was like the height of Grixis Death Shadow. Okay. I played I played Dredge in a modern open once, and I played against Edgar like round five or six, and he's playing Amulet, and I'm just like, this should be an easy matchup, right? And he just annihilated me. Off relic, or just like the, the core no. of his deck was just good against you? No, no relics. He was just like... Azusa on on two, Titan on three, get a Colony Garden. He has three blockers and fourteen life or whatever, and I'm just on a two turn clock. I just died. That'll do. Gross underestimation of like how the matchup played out. I guess I was just like, oh, I'm just gonna like put ten power and play on turn two, and it's like maybe I did, but like it just doesn't matter. I'm disappointed that you don't know the intricacies of the Dredge versus Amulet Titan matchup. Well, I didn't think that he was gonna like nut draw me every game. You know, that's just what they but do. They- but then he did, and, yeah. and he won the game, right? It wasn't like, ooh, turn three thought knots here, you know? Exactly, exactly. That's a bit of a step up. He was playing a deck that had an actual payoff, and I died. My payoff was, like, make three trained Armadons. Yeah. That, that's why I do the most broken thing. You know, every now and then I see the appeal. I, I think if you're not doing the most broken thing, you need to be coming from left field, right? Like, taking the kind of less powerful route is only good if nobody's prepared for it. Yeah. They have to not be prepared and have that actually matter, right? Yes, because there's so much like overlap in kind of the sideboard cards. I mean, people, the good modern players do a good job of letting their sideboard cards be good in multiple matchups. Like you, you have to be very flexible and not restrict yourself to, oh, this is my my dredge hate and this is my company hate. And there needs to be overlap. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and I, I think the best sideboards are built that way. No, I agree. Uh, so, like, Blue-White Control, I guess, is the other deck that's kind of popping up. Yeah, this deck got a little little upgrade in the past few days with the uh, Planeswalker rules. They get to keep both their Gideons in play at the same time. Does that matter? Oh, it's, it's hugely silly. impactful for the once every 20 games it comes up. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> no, it, Fair. it probably won't make a huge difference. But I, I do think this deck is, is in a nice place right now. I think that we finally accepted the fact that our control decks in modern need to have access to spreading seas. There's just no viable way for them to succeed without it. And that's where this deck gets a lot of points. And other than that, just a lot of powerful blue cards, powerful planeswalkers, a nice nice combination as old as time. This deck, I, I like the style, so I, I want to play it, but it just breaks my fundamental modern rule. So I haven't picked it up yet. At some point, I will yeah. play some matchups with uh, blue-white control. Yeah, if I wanted to play, like, some casual modern, you know, like, we're, we're just here to have some fun, I would do this. But when there are still, like, turn three combo decks out there, like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm not going to register Supreme Verdict. I'm sorry. No, it's, it's asking a lot. But you do see, like, a, a Gideon of the Trials just ultimating on the spot is good in a few spots. I'm stretching here. I mean, you, you really are soft against some of the more broken things, and you kind of have to eke out all of your wins just barely. Like I've been saying, that's not what I want to do when I play Modern. I want to smash you and in the most authoritative way possible. So, Same. I saw a Jeskai deck with Torrential Gear Hulk, which I think is sweet. I think that for Jeskai specifically, anyone who is still playing Sphinx's Revelation should have that. Uh, and I also think that Spreading Seas is just like 
pretty close to busted against most of the best decks. Yeah, yeah, it's great in the format. Um, and, and that is often the card that I see the Jeskai builds move away from, which I just don't quite get. Like, I, And I also don't feel like you get that much from Red, to be honest with you. Like, they're it's just not a, a huge burn upgrade. deck, man. No, they're, they just become a burn deck. Yeah, but just be a, just be burn then. <laughs> like, then no, that because you get, you, get to play, you get to play burn with like Manalik and Spellqueller or Logic Knot or whatever you want. You know, it's... It's the same thing. It's like you're like the the Jeskai deck is not trying to draw seven lava spikes to kill your opponent. It's like okay, I'll draw three of them to close the game out, but just like chip shot you with like a snapcaster and a colonnade. And I'm yeah. sure that makes you feel really smart, but it's not something that I am interested in. Again, modern. I think it's kind of like embracing all the flaws of blue white control without a lot of the upside. You know, there's probably a point where this was a viable deck, and I'm sure there's a point where the format could roll to a point uh, where it's good again, but. It's just kind of too wide open right now for me to believe that the just high tempo is the way you want to go. I think it's blue white control with an actual clock. And I think that if you're playing blue white control and you're trying to control every aspect of the game, like that's been a big ask, not even just in modern, but just like in magic for the last few years. Like there are so many good different types of permanents that you can't necessarily deal with if they slip through and the counter spells are real bad. So like it, I'm fine playing like some amount of interaction just to keep them off base, but like, yeah, if I want to put, like, Lightning Helix in my control deck where it's just going to, like, burn you, that's fine. I think that's completely acceptable. Like, it, it hurts my sensibilities, you know? It's like, that is definitely not what I want a Magic deck to look like, but it it works, and it's a good plan. I guess I will say that when things push to Geist of St. Traft being good, then I start to understand this approach a little bit more. I don't know that I feel like that's the case right now. I don't see Geist of St. Traft as being a particularly good magic card in the context of modern uh, so, at this juncture. I trust Jody Keith. Jody does not like Geist. Okay. I, I know that like a lot of people are playing with it now, but... That makes sense to me. It just doesn't seem to line up well against what everyone's doing. Um, but in the case that Geist is good, then I like this style because your clock becomes super efficient, super hard to deal with. In the absence of that, I don't know, a spell caller clock doesn't super excite me. And, and I'm, I'm not playing a bad card in Geist of St. Traft just to make these crappy burn spells look good. Um, you don't need to. You don't need to, and they're not supposed to look good. That's not the point. Okay. It's a, it's, it's a fish deck. It's like Miracle Grow or whatever. Like it, All those decks look bad, and all the games are like razor-thin margins. Yeah, there, there's been a point in my Magic career where I like things like that. I guess I just am not willing to apply that stratagem to, to modern. I, I mean, I certainly love like Blue White Delver back in the day. That I think that operated on a lot of the same principles, uh, even it if is. it was it's, missing it's the burn. The same stuff. Yeah, but just in this context, it, it's not doing it for me. I, I'm going to take a hard pass on Jeskai. That's fine. I'm not trying to say that Jeskai's good. I'm just saying that if you want to play a control deck in modern, like a hard control deck, I don't think that's very viable. And I know that might be contradictory seeing as how this blue-white deck is popping up. But I think that's going to fade. I think people are going to be like, oh, like, I just need to put, like, two cards in my deck or change two cards. And now, like, my control matchup is much better. I, I think that the, the correct path to playing control is to playing a disruptive deck that kills them very quickly. Okay. And I think I think Jeskai does that the best. But, yeah, I would not touch it with a 10-foot pole. But whatever. So we're on the same page just for different reasons, that's all. Yeah, I mean... It, I, I have massive respect for someone who identifies that blue-white control is, you know, not viable, or at least, like, control is not a viable plan. Like, Jody, Jody's the dude who played lands in Legacy, like, when it was a prison deck. Mm -hmm. But but he, he adapts with the times, and now, 
It, it's like a Dark Depths combo deck, and he's down with playing that too. And he he top aided a Grand Prix like way back in the day with Blue White Control, and it's like this this is what Control is now. So he rolls with it. Okay, I think it's right. Uh, it's certainly a, a strong data point, but we'll have to agree to disagree on this one. If I were to control, it, it would be just the blue white version. I think the tools are there, uh, and I think the power level is is worth the sacrifice of that quick clock in this case. Dude, what power level? You're not getting anything. You're getting Supreme Verdict, which may or may not be good. Your counterspells are mana leaks when you're actively trying to make the game go long. You're playing Supreme Verdict and Cryptic Command in the same deck alongside a bunch of like Sorcery Speed, Planeswalkers, Spreading Seas, Detention Sphere, Wall of Omens, like... Cryptic Command looks horrible in this deck. There's just like, how can this deck ever beat Storm? I'll be honest with you, I don't know how this deck beats anything, <laughs> and that's why right, I ultimately right. wouldn't play either. Uh, but, but but if you're just like bolt you, snap bolt you, spell queller your spell, attack you with colony, like that's twenty, and that's like you know a turn seven game where like they didn't really get to do anything. Okay, you're you're making a good case. I guess I I've I have been behind the Gideon of the Trials, Gideon Juror wall before, and and felt invincible, but. I do recognize the fact there's just one Gideon Juror here, and it is a five-mana right. sorcery speed Planeswalker. <laughs> so, yeah, you're making a good case. Uh, maybe it's just my inherent bias. Maybe the thing is that I have played blue-white-red control before and have actual basis for hating it, whereas I haven't yet played games with blue-white control, so I haven't established my hatred of it yet. If you play Jeskai like a control deck, you will hate it. Mm-hmm. It's never been a control deck. Okay. Dude, Did- there, there's just, like, so much, like disdain and dismissal in your okays no no i i i understand it's it's just not the deck for me and i guess if i'm picking up these blue spells i'm unwilling to play them in such a fashion uh in modern all your points are very cogent you're making a good case uh i'm just going to continue to pass on all these decks and and keep storming people or ad nauseaming people or whatever broken thing there is out there Again, man, I'm not trying to make a case for Jeskai is good. I'm just saying that, like, if you want to play blue-white control, you should probably look at Jeskai instead. Look at Jeskai instead. Okay, that's good advice for the people out there. Definitely, uh, Jerry has made a good case. I will concede my argument to him. You, Jeskai. The reason the Jeskai decks don't play Spreading Seas is because that's not their game plan. Like, they're they're just going to burn you out over a few turns. They don't care about, like, messing with your lands or whatever. They They don't care if you get Tron. Yeah, they don't care if you get Tron. It's just like, I would rather play Ambush Viper, Staffcaster, Mage on 2. I think consenting to that point, I would I would like their creature base to be a little bit more aggressive than... Aren't there some like good red options they could turn to? Things like the Haste Dragons? Maybe Glorybringer. What about Glorybringer in this format? Is there a home for it's, him? Colonnade's the same card. <laughs> it's the yeah, exact same thing. I guess it is. That's true. So as, as far as like blue-white control and it being viable against Storm, like as soon as they start... Like, people start having answers or outs to Gideon of the Trials. I think that, like, it just becomes a no-go with this blue-white deck. Um, that makes sense. I could see that. And you you can beat the Gideon Emblem with Storm, right? It's not oh, particularly you just, impactful. You, yeah, you, you just, just grape shot them. them. Yeah, it's, it's not like Ad Nauseam, which I think in most cases cannot beat it. Right, right. But Storm does have options to deal with the Gideon Emblem. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know what this Gideon does. <laughs> I, I felt like this was likely in their deck to be a little bit better against combo decks no he's just there to be gideon do gideon stuff have a good gideon time i mean if you're just trying to like gideon and attack them four times alongside (laughs) alongside a colonnade okay i'm down maybe you don't know how to play blue white control it's actually an aggro deck based upon gideon of the trials and uh it just clocks you in five turns right after turn three dude i'm down with that but then like (laughs) cut cut this sphinx's rev cut this gideon jura 
So we just max our, our Gideon of the Trials and play blue-white fish control. Yeah. I feel like you probably want some burn spells then, if that's the case. They would help. They would really help. <laughs> so the, the last, I know this is going long, but the last thing that I want to talk about is Death Shadow Zoo. And I think this deck is awesome for kind of the same reason that Storm is awesome. It just seems like the way everything is set up now. Like, I wish I would have played this deck at the Invitational too, because there was like a lot of uh, Primeval Titan decks and a lot of Grixis Death Shadow. And I think Death Shadow Zoo has the capacity to just, like, beat maybe the majority of the format right now. Uh, the co-host of my other podcast, Rob Lombardi, played this in a uh, mox and had, like, a 7-1 finish. And kind of, it was it was one of the first big finishes for the deck. Uh, you know, the deck's always been around, but he kind of put it in the map in that spot. And he said the Death Shadow matchup is, is just preposterous. It has a great matchup there, but it has inconsistency issues, which makes sense looking at the deck on its face. You know, you're trying to assemble five colors of mana. That's that's never free, no matter how good your mana base gets. I agree. It, it pressures the format uh, very hard, has an incredible clock. Um, it just needs to kind of iron out some consistency issues, and it can definitely be a top contender in the format. Yeah, I think you just need to figure out, like, what are your three main colors and then just be able to, like, fetch around that. Like, obviously, if you're just like, uh, okay, I'm going to try and play, like, white card, black card, red card, green card in a bunch of subsequent turns and, like, you start with one or two land, it's just, it's going to be impossible to know what to fetch and mm -hmm. all this stuff. So, yeah, you need to, you need to have a plan, I think. And I think it's just, like, base Naya or not, uh, base, base Jund, right? So you want... Nicotl, Swiss Spear, Death Shadow as your early game plays, and then you have like Thoughtseize Bolt, and you just maybe don't even really mess with a whole lot of white cards. It's just like white is there for Nicotl, and then the blue is there for Tribal Flames or something, and I don't know. I don't know the specifics. I just think that like that sort of strat would be really good right now. Yeah, I mean, Brutal Clock, Disruption, definitely the type of thing you're looking for. If I'm playing a quote-unquote fair deck, this looks like the type of fair deck that I would want to be playing. Like It's, it's a pretty busted fair deck. Yeah, fair deck that can turn three them. I mean, yeah. What what more could you possibly want? Yeah, uh, and and that speaks to another fair deck that's out there. Actually, is this Bant Nightfall deck, which is starting to gather some steam. Uh, the human version. The human version. Yeah, I, I, it's a deck that I wrote off pretty hard when I first saw it, but it has been putting up some results lately, and I know a lot of people who are succeeding with it. Uh, ben Feingrish just won a like a, a big East Coast tournament, uh, just kind of a local thing, but it was you know multiple K said the deck was was very good despite he, the fact that he had no sideboard whatsoever <laughs> um and and so i think there's something here too kind of the same principle uh, a fair deck with a little bit of disruption that just has an oops i win combo and reflector mage is nice yep yeah reflector mage creeping into modern certainly a card that's going to make an impact Ooh, vithian renegades i like it is that the artifact <laughs> destruction guy yeah wow i haven't seen him in a long time human shaman baby Wow, what a find. Yeah, also, uh, Tommy Ashen played this deck in, in a mox, and Tommy's deck selection is on point. So Yeah, he consistently is is playing the best deck every time I see him in the results, which is pretty much always because every time he plays any event on Moto, it seems like he's near the top of the, the tables. Yeah, uh, he just always wins. Yep. But yeah, I, th I think that's about it. I, I still don't know when the next Modern Tournament is. We never figured that out, but that's okay. I am down to Death Shadow some people or Storm some people. And either way, it looks like I'm, I'm kind of treating this format not really the same as I was a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago, I guess. But I think that's a good thing, too. Yeah, it continues to evolve, continues to, to find new points of interest. And I also think that 
maybe the next set might have some interesting some some interesting tools for modern. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. So what do you got? What do you got? Okay. Listen, I'm going to propose this, and I also kind of know it's not good, but I'm going to spend some time looking into it and seeing if there is something there. Um, there's always been this very 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 fringe deck um, that revolved around doubling season and planeswalkers. Oh, okay. So you're jacing it up. I yeah. like this Jace, by the way. Yeah, I, I find this Jace very interesting. I don't see him in standard yet, but obviously that's contextual and there's a whole bunch of new prints coming and I need to see what's out there. Um, this, this this Jace for standard is A+. Plus. Really? Just just right now, you're you're in yeah. on this Jace? Oh, yeah. That's interesting. We can get more into this next week. I, I think we should next save week. this. But uh, yeah, I want to explore him in modern in a doubling season deck. Um, it's kind of the easiest version of that combo to assemble I've seen so far. And I think there's maybe some interesting points of overlap where you could do kind of like a blue aggro Master of Waves type deck. I wish Master of Waves was better right now. It, it's certainly not what it used to be given the presence of Fatal Push in the format. But I don't know. I, th- I think there's something interesting there and and a cool shell to explore. But we can talk more about Jace the next time we get together. Oh, yeah. I'll go, I'll go ham on this card for you. Okay. I'm excited to hear about it because I was a little low on it for standard until I saw some more things to go with it so i definitely want to know where you uh, are excited about it cool all right uh we'll save that for next week so next week big big ixalan talks uh we had a lot of cards get revealed but we're gonna save it for next week because tournament this week and uh it's it's gonna slow down after that so i think that's about it yeah and we'll also do my top four celebration as well ah uh, yes yes of course can't wait it'll be exciting and kind of disappointing at the same time mm. well that's game 